It's noon on a Thursday in February, and I'm walking into a room filled with pastors and nonprofit leaders gathered together for the first meeting of 2020, put on by Kingdom Partners. I'm so glad to have everybody here. Some of you all haven't saw in a while, and it's so good to see you all. You know, so grab a seat. Welcome back to Rethink Poverty. This week, I'm interviewing the people who run Kingdom Partners. We have churches on almost every corner, but most of the time they stay disconnected. Oliver Richmond wants to change that. He leads Kingdom Partners, a nonprofit working to bring church leaders together to serve their community. Today we discuss the mission of Kingdom Partners and how they've had to shift their ministry during this pandemic. Oliver Richmond, president of Kingdom Partners. Kingdom Partners came about uh, after I got out of college, started just helping churches, working with churches, uh, doing ministry. And then um, about three years ago, uh, worked with a gentleman who got sick and helped me with his nonprofit. I worked there. And then as I transitioned out of there, uh, just prayed and asked the Lord, what do you want me to do this last 15, 20 years? How much time I got in my life? So I asked my wife, could I take three months off and pray and, and decide? I said, do I go in corporate, just work, not worry about the community, kids are grown, travel, enjoy the city, great city, or do I get back in ministry and really dedicate the rest of my life? And so uh, Jefferson was the first one to come along and say, okay, we can do this. I'll help you, but the only way I'll do it if you don't quit. And so Kingdom Partner was birthed um, out of that, and we met with actually 12 pastors and said, okay, this is what we want to do. Do you guys think it's a good vision? Do you think it'll work? Will you be part of it? And so in 2017, Kingdom Partner was birthed, and we incorporated in uh, 2018. We have three, three we'll call pillars that we do. Um, the first one we work with churches, revitalization of them. Mm -hmm. For them, you know, so many churches are struggling to reach people. Their membership is older. Uh, they're struggling financially. They need training. So our first pillar, we work to help get the church on the same mission and vision, put them through strategic planning, help them do outreach. Uh, the second piece we do is leadership development. Uh, most pastors work full-time, pastor part-time, have a part-time secretary, part-time custodian, part-time minister of music. So the second piece we do, we, we do training uh, to help the leaders equip the saints to do the work. Mm -hmm. But so many times we put such a burden on the pastor to do everything, yeah. and it's one pastor and it's a hundred of us, mm -hmm. and just think if he can spend time with God more, hearing from God, coaching us, equipping us, um, what the church can really do in the community. The third piece is our biggest piece is the One Kingdom, One Church. Mm -hmm. That's where we bring in multicultural people that don't look alike, don't normally come together, and we create a platform for us to get to know each other, love each other, keep Christ at the center, and then let's go out and share the gospel and do good work in the community. I'm uh, Jefferson Herring, uh, Tuskegee graduate, and retired from the uh, chemical industry. Robert is a very good visionary mm -hmm. and what he felt was that we have a church on every corner some are more active than others but 
as churches seem to be dying mm -hmm. or losing their members, he, he felt that it was simply because they weren't active in their community. Mm -hmm. And he felt that they could bring benefits the church would get to know the community and the community would get to know the church, mm -hmm. okay? And it's a benefit for both. But to do that efficiently, he felt that um, there needed to be some tools provided. Mm -hmm. And that's what Kingdom Partners is about, as he explained, is that we provide tools for churches so they can upgrade their tool set and in addition to that, that we could come along and to get to know each other and their ideas and then determine what it is that they wanted to focus on so they could be good at it mm -hmm. and deliver optimum services to the community. And in addition, once you know who you are, it's easier to work with other churches. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, platform for other churches to come together and for them to decide what it is that they want to work on. We don't herd them. We don't choose the projects for them. We let them communicate with each other and choose those projects that they want to support each other on. Mm -hmm. So I became uh, the chair of the advisory board. And so there are guys like Alfred who are key members of the board, and they're the people who first listened to our story and said that, yeah, we think there's some value there, and that's something that needs to be done, and we need to be present in our communities. Mm -hmm. And we already have presence where we are with our churches, per se. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> we have forged ahead, and uh, I guess by now we have... Uh, had contact with uh, some 150 churches and many, many ministers. And uh, I'll let Alva tell you the rest of the program. Let me go back to the first meeting. What, what we try to do is we actually have one-on-ones with the pastor. So I'll sit down with like Pastor Johnson and get to know him, say, ask him about his family, how he get in ministry, things his church is doing and then as he shares and sometimes those meetings might go eight hours when that pastor is sharing he's pouring his heart out I have pastors who have just cried you know and, and I feel that burden when they're talking about the things they want to do the, the stuff they see in the community that they want to address and help and so as we basically I interview them and just let them talk and pull things out of them and then we ask how can we help how can we help fulfill what God has called you to do? And we come alongside. So as we, as we do that, we say, okay, how do we work together? How do we get pastors and churches to work together? And actually, what we call the One Kingdom, One Church, we actually uh, got the model from Dr. Tony Evans. So we're actually using that model to bring pastors together. Uh, and Pastor Johnson Alfred was very instrumental in getting the three black clergy groups to come together to work together. He spent months and months, him and Pastor McDaniel, uh, work with the guys and, and got them to sit down and talk about how do we work together, keep Christ at the center, not let our denomination 
some of our religious beliefs or some of our practices keep us from working together. So when we get them together, we actually do uh, Tony Evans' Kingdom Agenda, and it talks about, from a biblical standpoint, God is one, three different personalities, but just one. So how do we work together and be one? And so they have that discussion, and then for the lay people, we use uh, loving the neighbor that don't look like you. And then we trans transition them to kingdom agenda where they can start thinking systematic, not thinking building an empire for themselves, but how we work together to tackle some of these biggest pro big problems in the community mm -hmm. and getting them to talk and get to know each other. Uh, so we want to have a safe platform where we set some ground rules, no politics, respects a person's opinion, let them talk, don't interrupt them, and then don't take it personal. Uh, Alfred, you can share a little bit about because I mean, we, we, just had, we just had the meeting at your church in the last year. We're going to have some more coming the next three months. So you kind of share from a pastor's perspective because um, you led a number of those discussions, facilitate them with a group of multicultural pastors. I'm Alfred Johnson. I'm the pastor of the Church of the Firstborn. Uh, I also run a ministry called the House of Refuge, small part that I play is uh, facilitating a group uh, in a multicultural and um, not really just having what I call a cup of coffee, slapping each other on the back and saying we're fine, but really having a real dialogue with one another mm -hmm. about our different uh, cultures and um, really talking about the tough stuff. Yeah. Talking about the tough stuff without uh, being offensive and uh, without being brutal, but uh, really addressing some issues that the church face, and uh, why aren't we stepping up to the plate and talking about them uh, in our various denominations and our various cultures and backgrounds? We 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 discuss some real delicate situations, and. Uh, and I believe a lot of our churches are better because of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll continue to meet on. And we have generated some uh, friendships uh, through the study groups. And we tend to believe that the brotherhood that we build there can transcend uh, the group itself mm -hmm. because you know people. You know, and it's different. It's easy to work with people you know versus people that you you don't know. You know, and that's that's one of the core things that we hope that comes out is the the building of relationships. And we don't believe that people can talk to their talk to their uh, uh, church members about things that they don't feel comfortable with. And this the platform provides them with a, uh, a place to get to know people that look different from themselves mm -hmm. yeah. or even have a uh, theological difference per se. Yep. But God is God, mm -hmm. you know. Right. And if we are learning from the same root, our lessons of... Uh, of uh, goodness, worship, uh, respecting each other, um, then we have something in common to share with other people.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Bible talks about how we're one body, but mm-hmm. it's hard to find a Baptist and a Methodist in the same room together. Right, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that, that's why that respect comes in. When you get to know that person, you know, um, you look be, beyond the uh, denominational ties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and believe it or not, in some of our meetings, I believe that the attitude is that people forget their various denominations yeah. and they focus on the individual and um, some of their struggles and some of their victories, how did they came came about their victories, mm-hmm. how did they overcome, you know, some of their struggles. Mm-hmm. And they start talking to individuals as the body of Christ, as mm-hmm. a member of the body of Christ, not as a Baptist, not as a yeah. Presbyterian. We don't put people in a shell, said, okay, because you are a Methodist or mm-hmm. Presbyterian or Baptist, you automatically believe this. Yeah. You know, we ha- have some open in discussions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as, like, relationships are getting formed between different churches and pastors, are there any stories of, like, people connecting outside of the meetings that you've seen? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of connecting going on with people having lunches, breakfasts. Um, they're preaching at each other's churches. Uh, pastors are doing leadership training. So it's a, that, that connection is happening. And, and one of the things that when we uh, first convened the African-American pastors, and we talked about this piece, one of the things that we did a survey and one of the things and did one-on-one interviews, they said, we don't want to go down to Coolidge Park and pray and I don't know who Alfred is. But it's going to look right. good for the camera. They're going to take a picture, but we're not together. So they said, we want to build relationships. We want authentic relationships. We want to get to know people, go mm-hmm. know the pastors, leaders. And then when we go out and do work in the community, it's genuine. It'll last mm-hmm. because we're doing it from our heart instead of for publicity so there's a lot of great things going on, and, and with this platform, we're, we're looking to connect more and get more pastors to work together, get their leaders. And, and, the, and they kind of come in in different phases. You have a, a core group that's all in. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come to me, they participate, they bring the leaders, they invite their members. Then you have another group that's kind of hesitant. They, they, they kind of tiptoeing around and seeing what's going on. They don't invite any leaders, any members. And then you have some are just watching to see how things are going, and then they'll wait to step their toe in the water or come in. And so what we do is keep those doors open, keep having the dialogue, and the ultimate goal one day is uh, for them to come together and have a, a citywide service and then go out and serve together. Mm-hmm. But in between time, with those relationships, we're hoping that uh, a group might take each Chattanooga that they have 60 churches in there. Those churches that start working together, sharing resources, sharing manpower, mm-hmm. and solving some of those issues instead of mm-hmm. one church trying to do it alone. So mm-hmm. we, see, we see a lot of that little green shoots popping up. Um, and it's a lot of work. It's hard because people like to see the big stuff, but that solid foundation is what's going to keep it. And with the Holy Spirit being a part of it and leading it, uh, I think some some great things are going to be happening. As you know, during this time, Kingdom Partners can't meet in person with the pastors. I checked in with them this week to see how they've had to shift their work during this time. 
Good morning, Oliver. Can you hear me? Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you guys doing this week? Very busy. I think our work has picked up quite a bit. I thought it would probably be helpful to anyone listening to know how you kind of had to shift at your ministry during this time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you guys don't mind kind of explaining that. Well, we did. Well, we called some of our uh, partners in our network and uh, asked them to come together. Let, let's have a meeting um, to talk about what to do. Because it was this crisis all around with food, you know, jobs, and you can't go places, people getting sick. And so in between time, we were jumping on calls. Uh, American Bible Society, Dr. Nicole uh, Martin invited us on a call with uh, other organizations that do citywide movements to help connect the city to work together. And one thing I kept hearing that call was, don't pause, reset. Uh, people are looking, even the faith-based community, they're looking for leaders. They're looking for what to do. So they said, go back and look at your organization, look at the people you work with, and say, what are their needs? How, how can you help them? It might be totally different from what you were doing before, but treat your organization as a startup and now these are your customers, these are the community or constituents, people you want to work with, and then come up with a plan. So as we listened, got on those national calls, and uh, we're under working with Leadership Foundation, we got on a national call with them. Because uh, some people have been through crisis organizations, but they've never been, in, been through anything like this. And so we, we got on probably four or five national calls. One of them had 1,600 people on it, uh, learning about the church, do the church, know their community and, and and one of the things that came out most churches don't know their community people drive into the church they don't live right around the church and so as we, we did that we got a group of um, uh, we invited 20 pastors I think 13 was able to make the meeting and we sit down and we and I said now we sit down over the zoom and talked about how can we really help our community and help each other and so as we had our first zoom session we, we strategized and said, let's come up with some, some initiatives, some things we work on. And so one of the first things we came up, we said, uh, let's do a daily devotion, uh, 12 to 12, 15, uh, Monday through Friday, just to encourage each other, hear from the Lord, see what the Lord has to say to us about what we're doing, what we should be doing. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we extended out to have more conversations on what we're going to work on together. And then as we work through that, the next thing we looked at, we said, okay, um, how can we help pastors and churches that they're way behind on mm -hmm. technology and ways to communicate with, your, with the members, way to stream, way for them to give online, way to connect to the community, way to commu uh, communicate if you need volunteers to go out, if you have a food bank, how do you uh, do those things, how to support the churches. Then another thing we said, okay, let's look at how do churches and faith-based partner with organizations and churches that are already serving the most vulnerable, the widows and the kids. Instead of us duplicating, if there's a church down the street, let's get our church members, our, our nonprofits support them. So we agreed we're going to do that. Uh, and then we agreed that we'll look, we'll look at hub sites uh, in different parts of the city. So if there's something that needs, if they need a, 
uh, temporary food bank. Uh, we'll have churches that are ready to come in there and do that. But if somebody already has one, let's not duplicate, let's support it. But if you need more, we'll do that. So we, we looked at those type things and we agreed we're going to stick with those until something changed. Well, thank you guys so much for giving me an update. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. You have a good day, okay? It all centers around relationships. Mm -hmm. Relationships, I think one of the biggest factors, you said, do we uh, do some things outside of the meetings? Uh, I've seen some relationship develop, and guys just um, decide just to hang out with each other and discuss mm -hmm. with one another. And... Uh, Decided maybe to go to a book and um, and meet apart from the meetings. Yeah. You know, have their own personal, you know, private relationships and really trying to get to know one another. I have uh, seen some eagerness on uh, some of the guys' part of saying, "Hey, I'm not I'm not trying to convert you to being a Baptist or a Methodist or Presbyterian or non-denomination in my case, but." I'm just really trying to understand you as a person, as another brother or sister in the Lord, mm -hmm. and want to know really and truly what what really drives you, mm -hmm. you know, and feel some of the um, um, needs in the community. You yeah. know, hey, how can I really help in a meaningful way without, you know, trivializing or speaking down to someone mm -hmm. or thinking I'm this great hope for the uh, inner city problems or the mountain problems or wherever it may be. Yeah. You know, that uh, maybe I can contribute something that God has given me. Most of the small churches suffer from uh, loss of members to uh, not having enough finances uh, and they struggle with keeping their physical uh, plants mm -hmm. operating. And they need help identifying um, resources that will help them, you know, just take care of basic problems at the church, you know. I mean, yeah. fixing pews, uh, furnaces going out, et cetera. And there are some programs around that um, that uh, that they're not aware of because they have a dual life per se, and uh, if they are on the platform of Kingdom Partners or working alongside, we say we go alongside of churches as we find solutions to problems, we share them with the different churches and hope that they will share them with the other pastors that they know. What you're saying reminds me, um, the church I grew up in um, has been in the same place for probably about 80 or more years, um, just has a long history in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And we have had over the years like some neighborhood like block parties to really just invite people in. Mm -hmm. uh, but my church is very, very small, so they have very limited resources. Mm -hmm. And there's been, I had talked with the pastor, and there had been some bigger churches who wanted to do something in the neighborhood our church was in, but they kind of wanted to do their own event. Mm -hmm. And my pastor was saying that how much greater the impact would be if they shared their resources, Success. volunteers, right. and they could further the kingdom together instead right. of just trying to do things separately. Yes. You know, one of the biggest things 
uh, that I think ministries have to overcome is being territorial. Mm-hmm. Territorial. And I think uh, uh, Kingdom Partners have really, really uh, made some inroads uh, in that um, pastors are coming together and they don't have to feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, that ministries are very, very territory. And uh, if I don't have control, then I don't want to be a part of. But I have saw um, since uh, we've been working together, different ministry come in and just help. You know, like in the area of a good example of uh, advertisement. Some some uh, smaller churches don't have the ability to uh, maybe advertise or don't know how to advertise. All of it has been really, really great in uh, helping people put together posters and advertising their events. You know, when you know, and it's just really um, not promoting his local church, but it, maybe it was another local church and saying, hey, Listen, they're doing this right here, and here's how we can join in and help on this effort. Mm-hmm. You know, and that brings a sense of, well, these people are not really being selfish. they mm-hmm. really thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and getting out the gospel. About a year and a half ago, churches and nonprofits came together, painted Orchard Knob School. Mm-hmm. Middle school, 140 some people showed up. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, different denominations, different cultures, different ages. They loved on each other. They painted that school. And then Leadership Ministry Worldwide with Dave Worland, we brought helped brought a group of pastors together to get the pastor's outline and curriculum. And so a number of them came together and said, okay, how do we strengthen the bivocational pastors to get a nice, sound foundation for their preaching? When you're trying to do good outreach, I think so much even if a church has limited finances, just being present within that neighborhood for so long yes. is right. way more valuable than mm-hmm. if you had all the like finances in the world. Right. And, and, and even if you have a church that's full, but it stays inside of its walls mm-hmm. and loves itself, but doesn't love anybody on the outside. There's no effect on the community. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. What challenges does Kingdom Partners face through reaching in reaching your goals fear keep a lot of pastors because uh for really working together because this other pastor might outshine them a little bit and if they call my name a little bit more than your name mm-hmm. uh my name is not out there i, I got to get my name out there and yes. and that presents a problem mm-hmm. so uh Better stop. I sound like I'm preaching. <laughs> I sound like I'm preaching. I sound like I'm preaching. I don't want to do that. We're not here for that. Do you feel like the history of the Chattanooga area uh, kind of influences those challenges? I'm not originally from here, mm-hmm. but I got a chance to talk to Pastor McDaniel, Alfred, a number of pastors. I've been pastoring 40 years. And it's a, it's a challenge because they look at the history of the city, they look at the divide in the Christian community, look at things that wasn't right, and they say the white pastors didn't stand up with us, they, they left us, they knew it was right, um, the community didn't stand up. 
So that, that history plays a major role. But if Jesus can forgive and move forward, we got to forgive and move forward. Not, not saying that you don't recognize it did happen, but how do you love somebody and move forward? And we have to do that. And so what we try to do is, uh, and get people to do is say, hey, I know that happened in the past. I'm not going to say it didn't happen. But how do you move forward and love a person? Uh, they've repented. They've, they've got a new heart. Can, can you work with them? And, I, and I've seen some of that. I've seen some guys that are really tough, that have really been tough on minorities, and now they say, can I help? Can I come to the table? Can I come to the meeting? What do you need? And then the guy said, well, I don't want to deal with him because I remember he treated me this way 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I said, well, he, he's a new person. He, he's, he's not acting that way. Right. So, so th- that's a challenge where some people keep looking back where they can't look forward, they can't work. And we have some guys uh, have told me, Oliver, I'm not ready to come to the table. I got so much frustration, so much stuff in me. Now, these are senior pastors telling me this. They said, I don't want to blow up the meeting. I don't want to go off on Alfred. And it really wasn't Alfred that did it. I'm just mad at what's going on in society, mm-hmm. how we're so divided. So... Let me let me work and let me pray. Let me get some of this out of me. But I'll support you and I'm there. And eventually I'll come to the table. So we respect that opinion, respect them for that. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Chattanooga has a history. I've been here all my life. Chattanooga has a history. It has a history as it relates to race. It has a history as it relates to wealth. Um, it has a uh, history as it relates to... Um, some people academic background, you know, and you know, one one of the things you talk about challenges, you know, as it relates to race, you know, a lot of people don't want to really talk about the real issues as it relates to race. If you're a Christian, love should be in your heart, um, and when you manifest things that don't not look like love, irregardless of the color of your skin. Um, as a Christian, you have a responsibility to call it out. Uh, and so, so many won't. Why? Because some are afraid of the powers that may be. If I speak truth to power, then I'm going to be marginalized. And the little success I'm enjoying, uh, that's going to be torpedoed. So, therefore, I got to kind of really be careful of what I say you know, and what I do and who I hang out with. Um, here in Chattanooga, um, a lot of lot of uh, politics, you know, have a big role. When politics take a presence over Christianity, that's a problem. Yes. But but that's an ongoing problem, not only just here in Chattanooga, but in a lot of places, but especially here in Chattanooga. You know, and so... You see a divide among Christians, you know, they say, you know, how can you let political issues divide brothers and sisters in Christ? Mm-hmm. We're, we're one body. We're, we're Christians. And if your politics is over your Christianity, then that poses a problem, you know. So, you know, and then there's that uh, whole thing of economics, you know, you know, entitlement. Uh 
you know, on both sides. You know, some feel like, hey, I need a piece of the pie, and they do their blame game. You know, it's not right for me to blame you or, or for the history of your foreparents, uh, <coughs> forefathers, and it's not right for me to assume that I am entitled to anything. And uh, there must be a dialogue. You know, it's got to be a balance in that. And see, a lot of times when we come to the table, uh, a lot of a lot of us come with such a biased opinion, like, you know, you owe me this or I didn't do this to you and not really listening to the hurt that's an in the individual heart. And if we able to develop a gift of listening, yeah. just really listening to yeah. people, um, you discover that a lot of your problems can be solved. Mm -hmm. It's probably also hard that there might be new pastors stepping up to the plate who don't know history and don't right. know that there's been um, strife and people who haven't been good listeners. Right. There's, there's been strife and people been labeled and uh, and uh, bad stuff come out of that, you know, bad most, stuff. Most of the people who come to the table, they, they have some baggage. I got some baggage. Yeah. Everybody. And sometimes that baggage is kind of pent up. And when you get a chance to let it out, it's overwhelming, you know. And everybody wants to move back from you, per se. The only thing is that you've just freed yourself because you got rid of a lot of your baggage. Yeah. Now, we had a meeting Some pent up baggage came out. The first meeting, yes, and they they were yeah. they, they were the host of it. But the first meeting, go ahead, Jefferson. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, it 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 destroyed the atmosphere of the meeting, and we were sitting and talking, planning for the next meeting. And we were asking people to come back. But we found it important to thank the people who persevered through the message of baggage. And then we allowed them to feel that you have contributed a lot and our message is that you've contributed a lot mm -hmm. to the guy who is able to get the baggage out. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, 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 and we tried to put that in a little short statement. We were successful in doing that. And, and people really appreciated the acknowledgement. Even the person who had to spew the poison. The frustration. Yeah, uh, frustration. Mm -hmm. But... They're all back together on the second meeting now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and there were there were some who didn't quite come to that, but they came to the next activity. You know, yeah. so this is kind of what we're what we're all about. If we didn't get together to be authentic and truthful, and understand 
what hurts us and what makes us happy that we didn't get together for the right reasons. Yeah. What do you feel like are some steps that a predominantly white church, um, a pastor could take in kingdom reconciliation? As you pose the question, what could white pastors do as it relates to reconciliation? Okay. First of all, we got to think of the word reconciliation. Mm -hmm. To reconcile means to bring back a restored relationship, right? Well, black people have never had a relationship with white people. That's the first thing. So we got to rethink the word reconciliation and when we use it in that content. Mm, yeah. You know, because we certainly don't want to go back to the uh, relationship we supposed to have had when we was brought over here as slaves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so sometimes when you use the word reconciliation, I believe people have a different view of that. So there need to be a building of a relationship. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, th there need to be some equal foot in there. Even right now, I got to acknowledge that if um, I'm, a, I'm living in a predominantly white culture and that if I don't sound like a white person, if I don't really embrace some of the white people's ideas, then I'm not going to really fit in society. I've been pastoring for 42 years. Therefore, when you say, I want to reconcile, which I want to really get in relation, I know what you're trying to say, yeah. but, you, you know, do you really want to answer or do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Yeah. That's a big difference. You know, why do this bother you? Why do that bother you? Be able to be ready to listen to what that person is going to tell you. Again, I revert back to the thing that, you know, a uh, thing that can really bring the races together is the gift of listening. Mm. A gift of listening. And then having compassion. Compassion. Um, you know, God, God reached down to us and brought us. It is, and I know it sounds tough, it is a job of the predominant race to reach out to the ones that are not in the predominant race and say, hey, look, I accept you. Because the whole thing's about acceptance. Mm -hmm. The whole thing's about acceptance. You have to feel accepted. God made us feel accepted. And, and that's a big burden, but it's the truth. The predominant race got to say, hey, okay, you know, it's all right for you to be you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to accept you. I'm going to love you. And I want to bring you in. I want a relationship with you. If you've got some extra and you really want to help, then help those, build a relationship with those who know where the problems are. Yeah. You, you don't have to deliver the food yourself. I think one of the things, pray for unity. I mean, pray for true, authentic unit the holy spirit moves on people's hearts and we will become one like we should so the community and people can see the power of god that we can start demonstrating it and, and living it not saying you're going to be the same not saying i'm gonna join lookout mountain prayers and 
that church going to be half black and Alfred's going to be right. half white. Mm-hmm. No, we, we can respect each other, still be in one accord for one purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, share resources, whether those relationships, hosting events, send your leaders to part of our meetings. Come to the table. During time of social distancing, building new relationships can feel hard. Oliver started this journey by building one relationship at a time. Pray this week about ways that you can start building relationships in your own community. Oliver wrote, When the church is strengthened, the community is transformed. When the community is transformed, the city is impacted. When the city is impacted, lives are changed for the kingdom. To learn more about Kingdom Partners, visit their website at kingpartners.org.